0: Welcome to the Fanboy Strike Back Comic Review Podcast, Episode 51.
1: Hey there, welcome to the Fanboy Strike Back Comic Review Podcast. I'm Eric. I'm David and we are the Fanboys Who Strike Back. Each week now, we pick out books that the other might not usually read, and uh, we throw them each other's way, and we do reviews of those books uh, from kind of a, a different perspective. And then we pick out a couple other books that stood out to us that week, and we talk about those, and uh, we go in-depth on talking about those. So uh, be warned, uh, there will be spoilers. And uh, we also will be talking about uh, the episode of heroes uh monsters what was the name of it david um it it, it had monsters in it it was it, it was a good one so we're going to be talking about that and uh yeah. so to kick it off um i threw uh what did i throw i threw robin 179 at david and yeah. so you picked that up and what did what'd you think? You
0: know i I I really like this rider and i really like the arts um this was what part 3 of 4
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So this was a hard place to jump in because like I you've been telling me what's been going on and I knew that I knew the stuff about spoiler and I knew the stuff about Red Robin but then there's this Ninja Cat person um, and so that stuff was really confusing and it's so is this this is during R I P so right now. Batman's gone crazy, and he's gone somewhere, and just Tim doesn't know where he is. Or is this post R.I.P. and Batman's gone?
1: Well, the thing is, it reads like it's post R.I.P. and Batman's gone. Right, and so. But, is that... but I'm not sure. At at the same time, it could be current R.I.P. It doesn't really say, and you almost have to look at it like separate from it and just like accept that Batman's not around right now. Uh huh. Yeah, um, and I was
0: kind of confused by that because I wasn't sure where Batman was. Um, this was just really confusing to me. I had no idea what was going on. What's, it seemed... I liked the stuff with Tim Drake. I liked the idea of Bruce being gone, Tim is... Uh, no matter what the circumstances are, Tim doesn't know where he is, and all of a sudden, Tim is feeling all all these this burden on his shoulders and the fact that he has to take up everything, and I, I think that was a pretty cool dynamic, especially with the fact that we know that Tim Drake, you know, doesn't want to be Batman, and now he's in this position where he's acting like Bruce, like, he's he doesn't want to do it, but he's doing it because he feels like he needs to. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, that and that's before. kind of the
1: thing, the only thing you really need to know is, like, yeah, Batman's gone, the city's being overrun by gangs right now, and it's up to Tim to kind of hold everything together. And so, in that respect, yeah, exactly what you said. He's having to take this all on his shoulders. He doesn't really want to. He never really wanted to be Batman. But even in this issue, he goes so far as to drive around in the Batmobile and masquerade a little bit as Batman.
0: Yeah, and I thought uh, that was a good scene, because he he brings out the guns, and he's like, you know, Bruce never used these. It's a, it's a gun. Do I use it? And he starts thinking about, you know, th- th- there's a little throwaway line about how it's not bullets and guns with him, it's boomerangs, which is, you know, going back to the fact that his father was killed by Captain Boomerang. And I thought that was really cool. Like that was a very that was a very real moment for that character. That's something that I felt that Tim Drake would actually think and say.
1: Yeah. And it also connects this a little bit with the Jeff John's Titans of Tomorrow run where we saw the, a future Tim who was Batman, who was a little bit more ruthless. And he did use again.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that I thought that was an interesting connection, whether it was intended or not. Um, the Cat Lady Lynx—that uh, was a throwback to uh, someone who Robin opposed very early on in the early '90s in his in his first uh, few miniseries when he was first introduced. There was a, a gang leader called Lynx, and she ended up dying. This is the new Lynx, oh,
0: okay. who
1: who wore the weird mask and everything. Yeah, the other I, one did. I
0: never heard of that person.
1: Uh, the yeah. other one didn't do that. But in this one, we saw a little bit more of spoilers, motivations of what's going on, and a first confrontation between Robin and Red Robin, which is where this issue left off at. Who. I'm still putting my money on Gene Paul Valley.
0: I I don't know. I mean, they didn't even. There was no hints dropped about who it would be in this. um, Who was the person that. Wasn't he talking to someone? Wasn't he working with someone?
1: Yeah, with one of the with one of the hitmen, which is really strange because they seem, this this hitman seems to be going between using rubber bullets and real bullets and and does kind of a murder for hire type of thing. So we really don't know how Red Robin is playing everything. Right now he's playing things very much like Jason would. He's using kind of more ruthless tactics, but we know it's not Jason. So the question is still, who is it? Could it be someone now? It, it might be. I think it'd be odd to to throw someone new into the mix, especially with such a familiar costume. But at the same time, we all know that uh, the Valley wasn't opposed to using lethal force or more excessive means as well. So uh, it, I, I'm just putting my money on, on that for now, if it, if it was a, a player that we already know. But other than that, I'm, I'm really curious to see how how that plays out. Another interesting hint is, and here's the spoilers coming in, uh, DC just released their solicits for the month of January and that shows that the the current storyline search for a hero uh, finishes up in January and it makes mention of uh, an old villain of Robin's called Anarchy comes back into town and and they they do some battle but the the solicit mentions uh, will the new Robin uh, learn you know learn between using excessive force or you know a steady hand or something like that. And I found it very interesting that they said the new Robin. Right. And so, and especially when they talk about, you know, ex, you know the new Robin having to deal with, you know, what does it mean to you know, the, the balance between using like excessive force or, or, or something. Um, uh, it could be Damien.
0: Okay. Well now we're, this is going to put us a little bit off track, but Hey, that's fine. Um, we never talked about the last issue of R.I.P., so what's going on with that? Because there's only, there's only one issue left, right? And then it's over.
1: Right. Uh, the last issue of R.I.P. went... It, it was the, the big confrontation between the Joker and Batman, which uh, was basically a show for the Club of Villains to put on. And uh, we found out it's, it's this group of rich people who get together, and they... they do these kind of real life dramas and, and play out. And it's all entertainment for this group of people. And this one was, they, they kind of tore apart Batman's psyche because this one, one guy, the uh, black hand had done a psych, a psych evaluation on Batman a long time ago. And they would planted these seeds for him to kind of fall apart. Uh, and Batman had created this, this alternate persona Batman in case he, this ever happened. So, so Bruce even had a backup for that. And then in this one, the Joker confronts Batman and they, they have their exchange, which was very well done. It was very much like, you know, how how crazy are you now? And um, we find out that Jezebel Jet was also part of the Black Hand, or she was the Black Hand. Um, and it all went back to that that scene in a uh, DC Universe, what, like Zero, mm-hmm. and it, it was the uh, the scene with the the Batman visiting Joker and the Joker with the Dead Man's Hand, and it all laid out. He brought everything back to that deck, the red and the blue the clubs, the hearts, the diamonds, I mean, everything tied into, to to where it was. And what I didn't really get at the end was, was what happened because Bruce ends up pulling back his cowl in front of the Joker and Jezebel screaming, you know, Bruce. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's very clear. Everything was very out in the open at the last minute. And so it, it tied up some answers as far as who was pulling the strings. But at the same time, it's like, I, I was like, what the hell happened? Because there was, there was way too much left open that it seems like a lot of secrets were revealed at the last bit.
0: So, Jezebel, was she? did she come on with Morrison, or was she there prior to Morrison?
1: No, she, was, she came on with Morrison. Okay. So
0: this is something that he had planned with her all along.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so,
0: is it, do you think it's going to be, is everything going to be resolved in one issue, or what?
1: I don't know. Um... If it does, it's going to have to happen very quickly or maybe with a double-sized issue or something and like he's that. still
0: on the book after that, right?
1: I would assume so because the it's after RIP, and we know Bruce is in that. So I don't know if he goes... It, I don't know if it's going to be kind of like Nightfall where he came back at the end and was around for a couple months and then decided he needed time away to, to recoup and went away for a while. I'm wondering if that's going to happen again. I'm not sure. I... I it's so weird and it could really take any kind of left turn like I I just cannot anticipate where it's gonna go right and and I've stayed away from I know there's been kind of spoilers and stuff out there as far as the ending of R.I.P. Online I've stayed away from all of that so so I'm kind of in the dark about that so we'll see
0: alright okay well I picked um, Uncanny X-Men number 503 and I, I know that you picked this up yes All right. So, what did you think of this
1: issue? Um, Again, I still really do like this concept of the X Men in San Francisco, um, kind of fighting against intolerance, fighting against racism. To me, like I said before, to me that's what the X Men should be about, Mm -hmm. because that seems to be kind of their central core. Um, What surprised me, which was the first or the third panel of the the book, was one of the. I don't know if he's an X-Men, he's a mutant, and he goes up and he s- says something stupid like, you know uh, Sam, I, Sam says, I'm free, in and 21. And, and to a black bartender, and what's, what's that supposed to mean? And I was like, oh, <laughs> like, where the hell did that come from? And they, they kind of cleared up a little bit later, you know, See, that being... Yeah, it was a
0: little weird, it seemed like it wasn't really necessary to do that, even though yeah. they cleared it up.
1: Yeah, exactly. It seemed out of place. It's like, well, you know, that could have been done, I don't know, maybe a different way or, or it really didn't need to be done at all. Right, <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah. So I, after that kind of jarring opening, um, the whole book was basically about the X-Men hunting down Empath, mm-hmm. which I really liked his powers. I thought that was a really cool power. I liked him just kind of going right through all the X-Men. Like It was kind of one after another. They were setting up dominoes, and each one of them got knocked over, and I really liked... Like, the, the description of Nightcrawler, like, I never thought, like, he'd have a smell, and he kind of smelled like sulfur, and...
0: Yeah, I liked yeah, the, his teleportation always smells like Brimstone.
1: I liked, uh, I liked seeing Angel in here, I liked seeing Storm, and I liked Pixie having her moment, too. So, that that was really good, and that was a lot of fun. I, that's, like I said, this is what the X-Men should be like for me, mm-hmm. but at the same time, there was this really odd scene with Scott and Emma, where... They're they're going over this hideout and uh, looking for details, and all of a sudden Emma shows up behind Scott in this dominatrix outfit, which of course, okay, it's Gregland. Yeah, okay. And so they have a little a little tryst in the in in the hideout, which seems kind of inappropriate. And Scott's the leader, and you know, there's time and place. Scott, like we we know, she's right. the white queen, but you know, you're on the job, man. Mm-hmm. So uh, they have their little tryst, and at the end, Scott. Scott and Emma are in a club, and they're watching Dazzler and everything like that. And he's like, you know, that was great today. And she's, uh, she was like, you know, what What? What was great? What do you mean? And so he looks over and he sees Madeline uh, Cryer. Oh, Madeline Pryor. Madeline which, Pryor. now, she was a clone of Jean.
0: She was a clone of Jean Grey, a clone by Mr. Sinister. So okay. this was now, this see, is a big deal. deal.
1: I, I, yeah, and that's what I thought. I was like, oh, if I was an X-Men fan, I bet this is a huge thing. This right? is a big
0: effing deal to have Madeline Pryor back. That so is- I
1: like I like this book. I thought it was very good. Be- before you get in, because I know we're going to talk about Madeline Pryor in a second, I just want to say I really liked this. I thought Greg Land's art was an improvement over the last issue. The characters looked Much better. Except for, except for the dominatrix thing. But... I, I thought the character models were better. I thought the action was really well-paced. Um, it was a fun X-Men book.
0: Yeah, um, I thought it was a great issue. Um, I just, Pretty much everything that you said, I would go right along with it. it was, it's cool to see Empath. Empath is just like one of those very, very secondary characters that you never see, and he shouldn't be this powerful. But he's doing something... With the the Black Queen, who we don't really know who that is, and apparently the Black Queen was the person who Scott messed around with while she was under the impersonation of Emma. Um, yeah. So yeah, this it was really cool. It, the, really good action scenes. Um, this I give more. it nine. Nine out of ten. Seven out of ten. Out of Seven out. Of 10. 700-
1: it's good. I'm conservative in my rating,
0: David. Uh, no, and I, I, I... A 7 out of 10? That's good. That's that's good. That's like a, what, a C? That's a C. That's
1: a solid C.
0: Um, yeah, the Madeline Pryor stuff is pretty big just because of... Well, I mean, just because mostly of the connection to Jean and the connection to Sinister. Um, she was the Goblin Queen. She kind of became a villain. And this all happened around the time of Inferno, which was... Um, One of the um, big X-Men crossovers. And there is going to be a new crossover called, um, I think it's X-Infernus. And it's kind of like the sequel to Inferno. We're going to see the return of Ileana Rasputin, Colossus' sister. And with the the sequel to Inferno, it's interesting now, of course, that Madeline's back. Um, So I don't know. I didn't, this was, Madeline was like right before my time. So I don't know a whole lot about her and I know that after they decided to bring Gene back, they just kind of said, "Oh, well, she's a clone to, you know, she she's gone, you know, no big deal." So yeah. it should be interesting to see, you know, especially how Scott deals with that cuz the fact that this woman who he married and it was a clone of his actual, you know, his wife is back and how is how is he going
1: to react to that? But yeah, this it- was really good. And okay, she died a long time ago, right? You said. Yeah, this was. So I feel like this should be the like the Jason. This should be like the Jason Todd ending where. You,
0: yeah, not she's quite like that. I mean, if it was Gene or something, it would be that would be more powerful. But it's it's a big deal. It, it really is a big deal to see. You know.
1: I also want to know since since she's a clone, how does he see her from across the room and, and know that it's Madeline and not? And no, not it's not Gene. I don't know. I mean, I mean, maybe because he's married to her, Is like, yeah, you know, I, I know. Maybe but.
0: it's just the assumption that Gene, well, although it would be assumed that it would be more possible for Gene to come back than Madeline. But I
1: don't know. He just knew. <laughs> he's got some Just, just go with it, Eric. He looks so cool with his long hair and sunglasses.
0: But yeah, I would have given it like a, a, a solid 8 out of 10. Um, it's nice to have a, a nice X book um, and yeah, it was good. Land's art wasn't, you know, too out there. Just like you said, the the dominatrix scene was a little bit much. But
1: I mean, the if, cover I, if was... I can
0: get just one panel of a, a, a comic of his, that's too much, then I'll be happy. Uh, you know, and maybe that's <laughs> sad that I'm happy about that, but
1: I'll take what I can get. Okay, uh, next book I want to talk about is Titans number six by and Jed and Winnick. The
0: Store didn't have this for whatever reason. I don't know. I didn't get
1: it. This was the uh, the ending to the first arc, with uh, the whole thing about Raven going, the demonic side of Raven taking oh,
0: that's over. That's right. the
1: brothers, right? Right, and so the story starts off, interestingly enough, the story starts off with her having all the Titans in custody, and then it goes back to say how, at the end of the last issue, uh, basically, she went bad, and, and Gar got the crap kicked out of him, and then... This, in the beginning of this one, he comes running back to the Titans. They say they've got to do something, go find her, and uh, Donna has a, has a stone that Raven gave to her in case this ever happened again because it's happened several times in the past. And so, so they go and find her, and then we go back to Raven, and, and it turns out it wasn't just three brothers that she has. She has uh, six other brothers for the other six deadly sins besides herself. And so it was kind of interesting. I mean, they all kind of represent the, the sin in a different way, and the Titans confront him. And the funny part was that after the Titans kind of take down the other sins, Raven just kind of snaps her fingers, and basically all her brothers fall. And she's like, they, the, these powers weren't meant for these idiots. And she takes all their powers away. And she want, what she wants to do is give them to the Titans because those are the people she's trusted. Those are the people who sh- she considers it, her the, the people that she knows that she's with family and stuff like that um but again there's there's a way with with this stone that donna had the the good raven comes the essence of the good raven comes out of that stone and battles the bad raven and there's a lot of raven in this book this is a very raven centric story but of course the good side wins and that's that's all very very fun and 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 cool to see um it was just kind of unfortunate because I, i i don't know if I don't know. I would like to see the other Titans get a little bit more action in this issue. There's there's a brief fight scene, but that's about it. It was, it was cool to see. There's this big page where the real Raven comes back. That was really well done. And then the end, of course, is, is them all coming back together. Raven, at the end, she gives each of them a kind of a magical instrument that will kill her if this ever happens again. And she's like, I don't care what you say. You take it or else I'm not going to join the team. This can't keep happening. And, so, and that's true. Like They can't keep going back to the well on that every time. Um, so that's that was kind of cool. And so the team's all back together again. The ending of this, someone breaks in the tower, Wally goes to find him, and it's Match from the Titans story, the Superboy Bizarro. Oh. And who was inside Match last time was Jericho, Right. who was one of the the older generation of Titans. And he's, he's saying, I, you know, I need your help. I can't get out of him. So that's where the story leaves off. So now I'm curious to see, are they going to add Jericho to the cast? So, cause, really? cause, so, it, so it's, 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 going back, and forth is is Jericho a villain? Is he a good guy still? Uh-huh. Um, you know he had, he had those issues with he he kind of absorbed a part of his father. So oh
0: that's right. That's yeah. I totally did. I haven't read Titans in forever. That book. I used to love that book.
1: Well, yeah, but this goes back to the first Jeff Johns run where Deathstroke attacked the team, and it was really Jericho in Deathstroke. So
0: right. and I liked. Um, I, I actually liked when they were going to put Jericho on the Titans when that when he came back and he ended up in match. I thought he was kind of, because it was with uh, him and Ravager, I thought that was kind of a good dynamic.
1: It was, and now Ravager's on the on the Terror Titans team, so I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. I'd like it because I'd, I like that formation of the old team. It feels like such a throwback, and it is kind of a throwback book, but at the same time, I like it. Um, where Jed Winnick used to write the Outsiders as kind of a a younger, uh, like a 20-something tit- Titans team. That's exactly what this is, because Outsiders really isn't that anymore. Outsiders is way more of a hodgepodge of people. Mm-hmm. Um, this this feels a lot like the early Outsiders uh, when Jed Winnick was writing it. Which, of course, he's writing this, so of course it feels the same. That's kind of stupid and redundant to say, but the books have a similar feel.
0: So what would you give it?
1: Um... Probably 7 out of 10. I enjoyed it. It wasn't anything spectacular, but I had fun reading it. So, 7 out of 10.
0: Okay. Um, I actually picked up Amazing Spider-Man number 573. Um, this is the very first Amazing Spider-Man issue that I have purchased since Brand New Day started about 9 months ago.
1: Which is crazy. Yeah, I was going to uh, say, like, wow, you you came back.
0: Uh, no, I actually, I did not. Um, there's one reason why I picked this up is that I've, I've been hearing all this stuff because this had to do with Venom and Eddie Brock had become a new character called Anti-Venom, and I didn't care about that. But um, there is, the cover is by John Romita Jr., and it's Norman Osborn in his goblin costume on the glider holding a pumpkin bomb. It was and, a pretty cool cover. Yeah, I, I saw it in a store, and I'm just like, I can't pass it that up. That's It's one of the coolest covers I've ever seen. It was just so cool. So, um, you know, it's it's confusing. It's It's so bizarre because, honestly, it felt like reading, and, you know, this is redundant and everything, but it felt like I was reading a Spider-Man comic from 20 years ago.
1: Well, I mean, yeah, it's kind of supposed to
0: feel like that. Yeah, and that's kind of the point, but, like, Harry was back, and Harry was struggling with Norman, and all this stuff, and Harry had the, his, his secret projects going on, and... I, I don't know. Like, it's... I definitely won't be picking it up again, which, you know, makes me sad yet again, but... I, I mean, I know I'm going to be picking up Amazing Spider-Man again at one point, but this... this It's, it's not now, so...
1: I was kind of wondering what you think, because uh, this the story's been garnering a lot of attention. and A
0: lot of people like it. I mean, I think after... I, I, I'm not sure exactly if people who dropped it before, people like me, if they're picking it up again. Um, I know a lot of people are digging it now, but I know that those people weren't buying the book before, so I'm not sure if, it, if it's a trade-off, but I mean, I know the numbers are up. Um, although I'm not sure if that's because it's coming out three times a week either. So, it just, it's, this is not the Peter Parker that I want to follow. I don't want to see the single Peter Parker. There's a, there's a love triangle where Harry's girlfriend now kisses Peter and wants to be with Peter, and it's, it's just stuff that I've, I've read before, I've seen it before, and it's just, I'm just not interested, so. Yeah. Overall, I give it. I give it like a four, four out of ten. The art was good. The art was really good, really clean. Um, it, and again, it's just it wasn't like it was poorly written. Like it was just it. It just seemed like a story that I've already read, so I just had no interest.
1: That's interesting. The funny part is, like you know, Ultimate Spider-Man. We love that book so much, and yet that kind of feels like a Spider-Man book from maybe thirty years ago. But it's also like to kind of phrase what you're saying. Uh, it's like stuff you've already read before, but in, it's done so in such a fresh new way or with a fresh twist on it that it still feels new at the same time mm-hmm. and much more enjoyable, I, th- I think. At least for you. I know you enjoy that book a lot.
0: Yeah, I think it's one of those things where you you can't go home again. And Ultimate Spider-Man's not trying to go home again, but that's exactly what Amazing Spider-Man's trying to do. And I, I think mm-hmm. that's the difference where... Like you said, Ultimate Spider-Man is just—it's this new, fresh kind of spin on it. Whereas Amazing Spider-Man is like, let's try to go back to how Peter Parker was, you know, x x years ago. And I'm just like, I'm I'm just not interested in that.
1: So okay, yeah. Um, the, the, a quick book that I want to talk about real quick. I didn't I didn't throw it on the list of uh, books this week to talk about, but I've got to make mention of it. Uh, Final Crisis: Rogues' Revenge, three of three by Jeff Jones and Scott Collins. Mm-hmm. This book is really good. See,
0: um, I did not like this one that much.
1: Really, I thought. Well, first of all, I I loved the cover, and just the regular cover with the the Flash's dead hand and the blood and the Rogues and in, in the in the visible puddle. But here's what I liked about it. I'm still not sold on Scott Collins' art. I'm not a, I'm not a great huge fan of it. But um, I really like the part with Weather Wizard and. His background, I didn't really know a lot about him, but his, learning about his background, about his brother's death, and, and how he has that guilt. But the thing about this book is I really got the sense, like, a lot of these rogues are, are assholes. They're not good guys. And especially, like, Mirror Master, he's, he's a complete dick. But a lot of them, like, they do, there's a line, and they have conscious, conscious uh, do They have the a conscience. <laughs> and so, I can't. Uh, what's the plural of conscience? I Consciences. I think it's a conscience. So, Okay, I, I don't know. I, can't I can't say anyway. Never had much use for book learning, <laughs> um, but at the same time, it's like I really enjoy that examination. I like whenever Zoom shows up. I thought the idea of turning inertia into a kid Zoom, I was interesting. I don't like inertia at all. Like right. I think he's a I think he's a punk, and he's just if he, if you took it really. I mean, it's it's Bart gone bad because he's a clone of Bart. But he's, he has that same impulsiveness about, about him, but there's just like, but he does it in the most like jackass, bastardly way. Like, especially, uh, when, uh, Libra shows up with Weather Wizard's kid and kind of gives him that ultimatum and, and, uh, and Inertia goes, you know, I'm done with this enough, enough talking goes up, snaps his fingers and just explodes the kid. Yeah. I was like, damn, like, okay, this thing got way serious way fast. And so about ready to kill Libra, he attacks, He uh, turns Zoom back into a paraplegic, which was really interesting. I wonder if they're going to fix that character in the future, or if, or if since they're bringing back Barry Allen, they're going to bring back the original mm-hmm. reverse Flash or anything like that. But what I really liked was the rogues getting their revenge on Inertia, and they, they all take him out, they each use their, their different talent, I guess talent would be the word to use, to stop him, and then basically they all show up at the end and they all at the same time, blast him. And what was interesting is they take his body and they drop him off at police headquarters with a note attached to him saying, tell the Flash we're even, the Rogues." And that scene, just with inertia and the burned up costume line on the ground, going from where we left Bart Allen to this, I mean, it was it's a weird circle to come back to. And then, of course, the last page is talking about okay, Barry's coming back. What's the relationship going to be with Barry? And I just thought it was really well done. I'm, I'm curious to see how the rogues react when Barry comes back because things, there was a difference between the way they reacted with him and the way they were with Wally. So I really enjoyed this book. Again, not sold on Scott Collins. I'd give this an 8 out of 10. Um, had a lot more fun with it than I thought I initially would. So.
0: Yeah, see, I was kind of disappointed with this one. Um, I just kind of thought... Um... I don't know, I, I just felt like there just wasn't much of a resolution. And I, I'm not sure where exactly that's coming from, because I know the stuff with them killing Inertia was kind of the end of the story. But it just
1: seemed... Well, I think because it left off on... Uh, oh, I think because there, there was a little bit of a lack of resolution because it left off uh, pushing forward. Like, the, the story wasn't right, with, over yet. And the story will continue... In in rebirth,
0: yeah, yeah. I I think maybe it just seemed like um, it seemed like maybe this shouldn't ha- this should have been five issues instead of three because I felt like this issue just seemed really rushed. Whereas the first two issues were pretty slow and we were building up, and then this this issue just seemed to go by really quick. And so maybe that was my problem with it. Um, I I do like the idea of. I mean, although it was just a horrible plot device. I do like the idea of Libra, you know, telling them that Barry was coming back and then being like, Oh crap. Like he was, he was a different kind of flash. Like he was, you know, it, it was a different time. And I thought that was really cool. Like they're, they're handling the whole Barry coming back and singling him out as a different kind of person. They're, they're handling that really well. And I thought that that was very, very cool. Um, I can't believe I'm excited for Barry Allen to come back. We, we've both kind of said that. But, uh, yeah, I just felt like this was kind of rushed. Um, I normally don't like Scott Collins' art. I'm not a huge fan of it, but I'm not really against it either. But this this issue seemed just a little bit too sketchy for me and a little bit too gritty. So I probably would have given it like a, I don't know, probably, probably 6 out of 10. Okay.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I like it. to to go against kind of what you're saying, like it, it did feel fast and it did feel like a lot was crammed into this issue, but I think I enjoyed that really fast pacing because I mean it's a flash book and so everything feels like it should be moving fast in this book. Like, it, I feel like almost with every flash book I read, I want to have that sense like at the end, like I'm out of breath, like I'm I'm tired. I wanna I wanna have some kind of I don't know almost physical exertion after after the story because like it, it seems like it should be something that never really is slow right. um just because of the subject matter in it so i don't know i i, I enjoyed the pace of the book but i i see what you're saying with it too.
0: um the book i wanted to mention real quick was uh another jeff johns book legion of three worlds uh number two of five did you pick
1: up the first issue no I saw Legion on it and I didn't even bother with it. The first
0: issue was really good. It's it just it was all focused on Superboy Prime and and it, it ended with the idea that Superboy Prime needed to be um, redeemed basically. That was Superman said, you know, we have to redeem Superboy Prime. We have to get him to come back and we all know that that's, you know, probably not going to happen. Um, and this uh, issue number two was very very confusing because while the Legion wasn't really in um, the first issue, there was a lot of Legionnaires in this second issue, and apparently this is, it's Legion of Three Worlds, and apparently there's supposed to be there's three different forms of the Legion, and I'm sure if you're a very big DC fan, you know that already. I have no idea why there are three different incarnations of the, the Legion, but it, it ends with the three incarnations of the Legion coming together. And that, that's, that was a big cliffhanger. Um, so I, don't, I don't, didn't really care about that. There was a lot of cool stuff, though, about this, this 31st century future, um, where we've seen The Last Green Lantern. And it was actually a very very cool fight. He's fighting some wizard who apparently is one of the arch enemies of the Legion, and uh, Superboy Prime shows up, and there was there was a lot of cool one-liners about how how many Superboy how many Green Lanterns Superboy has killed, and he's going to be the last one. And that was actually that was actually pretty cool. Jeff Johns has a way of writing Superboy Prime so that. While he should be really annoying, he's not. It's almost, it's, it's you're laughing at him and with him at the same time, and so it's not, like, over-the-top cheesy. Uh, but the cool reveal is that after this Green Lantern is killed, his ring ends up going back to Oa, and the ring is given to the last guardian, which is Sodom Yet. Really? Yeah, it was actually pretty cool. So it it's um
1: how is how is he a guardian? It,
0: it you don't know. It's it's a pretty cool scene. The the ring goes to Oa and it drops, and all you see is just this planet full of dead Green Lantern rings. And then you just see Sodom Yacht there and he kinda stands up and he's like, I am the last guardian. So it, that was pretty cool. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. I was I was <laughs> pretty uh pretty excited about that part.
1: I'm going to have to
0: skim through that in the store. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And the thing is, too, is that I, I don't like the Legion. And it's still really confusing. But it's, I mean, it's as good a time as time as any to kind of jump on. I mean, you, you have to learn stories and learn characters somewhere. And so you just got to kind of go for it. And I'm sure it's going to be a little bit confusing. But, I mean, I'm liking it. I, I think that I will definitely pick up the rest of it, and it's uh, something I would recommend. So I'd probably give it 8 out of 10. It's, it's pretty good.
1: Okay. Uh, keep the Jeff Johns train rolling. Uh, Justice Society of America, number 19. Uh, continuing the story of Gog, I really am still loving this book a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and with this book... This was the one where the clear division in the team comes from between the older and the younger ideologies. And, like, of course it was going to happen sooner or later, especially with it being Kingdom Come-themed. And w- with them kind of pushing in that direction, whether or not that's the actual fate of the DCU or not, they're, they're very much molding it in that way. And, of course, so now we have uh, Magog, who was formerly the uh, the... Uh, Lieutenant? Uh, uh, Lance uh,
0: Corporal or something
1: like that. Lance Corporal. And so now he's in the Gog, he's been remade in Gog's image, and he and, of course, Superman and some of the older members of the JSA have uh, a different maybe approach to the way they do things than Hawkman and and Magog, who feel a little bit more force should be used. They feel that Gog is there as a presence of good, so they should just get out of the way and help let him do whatever he has to do, and... Of course, Gog's going around turning people into trees and even, you know, bad people. The is like, you know, he just he, he can't do that. You know, he's, he's killing people. So, you know, what's to be done? And and so there's a very interesting division in the team. So it, it was almost hard to watch because you saw, like, people start fighting and the Wild Wildcat versus his son. And there was a great scene where they were split up and, he, you know, he's like, Tommy, get over here. <laughs> Which was great because I kept thinking of the uh, of uh, Anchorman, <laughs> you know, get, get back over here. <laughs> but um, there was a scene with Damage and Hourman and, and Liberty Bell, and they're like, oh, you know, yeah. you've made so much progress, you know, just you know, come back and it's like, you know, just stay back, stay back. You know, he's acting very irrational because he's got what he wanted back again, which is interesting because I'm reading right now the uh, Grant Morrison JLA run, and they were back. This was early 2000 because they're. The electric Superman is showing up in that story,
0: ugh,
1: ugh. but it, which is almost distracting. But they were <laughs> they were recruiting new members, and they end up going with the, the new Green Arrow because uh, the older one had died at that point. But one of the uh, recruits for the JLA that came and interviewed was, was a very young damage. And so I was like, yeah, it's a little damage because oh, cool. he was a lot younger back then.
0: He was really scrawny, but, um, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, he was really scrawny. But um, it was just kind of funny to see him, and then go back to this, and yeah, this just—it it almost broke my heart a little bit just to see, to 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 see this fight. This, is, this. Like
0: watching, this is like being around your parents when they're fighting, and it's just uncomfortable.
1: Yeah, it it, it almost was, and then of course, uh, it, it all how did, how did it end?
0: Well, that's that, and that's the big the big thing is that I loved this book until. It doesn't end with a god story. It ends with Earth 2. It ends with the Justice Society of Earth 2
1: showing up in Earth 1. Well, yeah. I mean, about half the team, the older part of the team, got sucked back to the JLA headqu- or the JSA headquarters. And then out of Starman pops Power Girl back from Earth 2. Mm-hmm. And then through another black hole or something, or the bleed, it looks like um, the JSA of Earth 2 is coming. And they're coming after Kara. And yeah, so that, just, that seemed really random. Yeah, and so we're gonna have the Justice Society of America versus the Justice Society Infinity. Versus um, God. Versus-, versus Gog. Yeah, which I I wish they just focus on the Gog storyline because that's yeah. really good.
0: So do I, but and and um and I didn't like that. It, it seemed like it was just so out of nowhere and just really distracting. But I'm sure Jeff Johns knows what he's doing. Um, oh yeah. I really like Alan Scott. I don't care what side he's on. I will follow that guy into whatever. He just had such a commanding presence in this whole thing when he's talking to Hawkman. And it's just, it's it's cool because there is a gray area here in what Gog is doing. And that that's why this whole story has worked. Because what Gog's doing isn't right, but maybe it's something that needs to be done. You know? But, that, but you know, what gives him the right to do that? And... And Alan is kind of the voice of reason. He's like, you know, this may these people may be evil, they may not be good, but what he's doing to them is, isn't is right. And it gets to the point where he's about to head into the Middle East, and they're like, oh, no, 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 okay, it stops here. You're not going to there. Yeah. That was just so well done and so real. I mean, if you think about the context of, like, what Gog is doing and how they followed him, and all of a sudden he's going to enter this zone and you know, Black Adam shows up and they're thinking about that and just like, okay, something has to happen here because this is about to get really bad. Well, yeah, so that was it's, really
1: cool. It's such a volatile situation anyway. And then you get that one page of Black Adam and you're like, oh, man, this, this is like standing really close to a us stick a dynamite. Uh-huh. think <laughs> like things are going to get bad real soon. So I'm, I'm very excited. And I, got, I was just, yeah, I, I gave this book an 8 out of 10, but... I was just getting so ramped up and ramped up and ramped up. And then the fight broke out and I was just like, just about ready to, you know, just throw my fist in the air and, and cheer. And then all of a sudden, boom, we're, we're dealing with the Earth 2. And it just like, it was like skidding out in the car. It's just like, whoa, 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 I lost all my momentum. It was just and like, I didn't know where I was. All of a sudden it was just really a bizarre left turn. But, um, I, you know, I'm sure it'll play out well. I'm just, it, it, it was an odd ending to the issue.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I would give an 8 out of 10, too. I wasn't a big fan of the ending, um, but I thought the rest of the issue was just really, really strong. Yeah. The last book I wanted to touch on, just really quick, is Ultimate Origins, uh, number 5 of 5. I've been a really big fan of this uh, mini so far. hate to say it, but Bendis kind of dropped the ball here at the end. Um,. A lot of stuff has happened in these issues, and it's just—it seems like it was going to bring everything together, and it ended the last issue with the reveal that there was the Ultimate Watcher. Um, it's just kind of sad, but this was the fifth issue. This is the end of the series, and nothing big really happens. Um, Nick Fury kind of takes his place as the director of Shield, and um, the Watcher kind of talks. Through Sue telling that it's the Watcher, um, and that the Ultimate Universe is about to go through a time of, of a great disaster, and I, we, we assume that they're talking about you know the coming of Ultimatum. But other than that, there wasn't any really big reveals. Um, we're, we're introduced to Ultimate Black Panther, and it looks like uh, he gets his powers in a lab. He's kind of saved by Nick Fury, but other than that, there, there was pretty much it. Nothing happened. There was a big reveal at the end where the Watcher says that they're going to send um, a herald to Earth to help with this disaster. And you're the whole time, you're like, you know, who's going to be this herald? And at the very end, it ends up being Ultimate Rick Jones. And I was just kind of... I just, you know, didn't kind of care. I mean, I've never been a huge Rick Jones fan, Um so the very last page is a is a teenage Rick Jones being struck by some kind of light, and then all of a sudden he's glowing orange, um, and that's it. So it's it's disappointing because this this mini was really really good. The first four issues were really good in connecting everything that's happened so far in the Ultimate Universe, and then. I mean, I I know I guess this had to be tied into Ultimatum, but. This the 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 title of the you know the series was Ultimate Origins, and this last issue had nothing to do with the origins of the Ultimate Universe. You know nothing that we've haven't seen already, so it was just really disappointing. Um, so I, I would probably give it a five out of ten. Okay. Uh,
1: well, Heroes continues on with the villains arc. Um, we talked a little bit about it on our forums. Uh, with, with the last uh, series, or with the last uh, episode. and uh, Angels which, and Monsters. Angel, Angels and Monsters, thank you. Uh, which was notable for the return of a, a very big character. Yep. Arthur Petrelli.
0: Arthur Petrelli.
1: Now see, they, they built that up, and I was really excited to see him. And the only thing we really got was a dream sequence where we didn't really see. We saw his back, and we heard him talk to Angela, mm-hmm. but then we just saw him in a hospital bed. And I and okay, yeah, we, we kind of got a sense that okay, he's working with. We got we got a lot of answers at the same time. We understood Parkman's father was working with Arthur Petrelli, and communicating with Arthur, who's on life support through, uh, of course, you know, mind communication telepathy, mm-hmm. and. But, uh, Park, the older Parkman is the one who's been putting the images of Linderman uh, in the Speedster's head, in Nathan's head. Uh, that's where that's coming from. So I thought that was really interesting. It's like, oh, oh, look at that. But at the same time, I really wanted more of uh, Arthur Petrolli, which I'm sure we will be getting more of. It's just that that's what that episode was going to build up to be, and I, I felt like it didn't deliver. The other thing is uh, – for me personally, I feel like they're taking a lot of the good characters of the, of the show and pushing them to a point where it's going to be really hard to bring them back. Right. Um, uh, Hero, of, of course, stabbing Ando. That that won't stick. That that's not that's not going to be you know. It, it'll be revealed later how that happens. So, uh, uh, Peter, though they. They've already shown that he has Siler's powers now. He has the hunger in him. He's already attacked his mother, uh, and also the future Nathan. So it's looking pretty dark for him. He something has to happen with him. Uh, also, Mohinder—they've completely turned his character into a monster. He's abducting Maya. Uh, he's got all these people. Kind of, he's like a like a weird. He's like a weird version of Spider-Man, only more more kind of beast. He's kind of like putting people up in this webbing around his, one of the rooms in his studio. And it's, it's just really odd. He's doing all these really odd experiments and things like that. And they're really pushing him to the point where I don't know if he's going to be redeemable. Right. So, you know, I'll be, I'll be more than happy if they, they turn this around and bring them, bring them back to the good side. But I'm wondering if, if at the conclusion of this arc, some of the heroes will be villains and some of the villains will be heroes. Cause it looks like they're making the, concerted effort to rehabilitate Siler, which I love. I, I can't get enough of his character, good or bad. Right. I, I can't get enough of Siler.
0: Yeah, um, I, I agree to a certain extent with what you're saying. I think I, I kind of go with the flow a little bit more when it comes to the show. <laughs> Uh, I, I think, like, you know, the hero and a thing, we know that Hero's not gonna really stab him, so that's, that's not really an issue. The Peter, you know, the thing is, is that they always have to do, and this is the, the kind of the tricky thing with, with Heroes, is that they have to do, they always have to do a lot of stuff with Peter and Siler, especially with Peter, because he's so powerful that they always have to do stuff to mess with him, because, you know, if he's he's Peter, he could just run the show. The idea of making him dark, I don't know how I feel about it. I guess I'm just going to wait and see. I I like it so far just because I like the idea of learning more about what Siler's power is. Like, the idea to that... He can figure things out, and he can see how things work, and with that comes this hunger for knowledge and wanting to know how everything works. I, that I'm liking that part of it—the fact that we're—I mean, that's that's a, a power that you know that we've never heard before. Yeah, so I, I like that part of it. Uh, the Mohinder stuff—I was like, I was really kind of in the beginning. I was like, oh, it'll be fine. This Mohinder—they are going a little bit far with him now where they need to kind of have that resolved just because Mohinder is like the focal point of the show. I mean, Mohinder is the droids in Star Wars. You see the show through Mohinder's eyes because he's the the only human. So he's kind of, in my opinion, he's kind of the only untaintable character. He's the only character that that you really can't mess with because he's the character that that you know us the viewers that we're attracted to the most because you know we see it through his eyes so i think the stuff with him they really need to wrap up soon because they you, they're, they're tainting that character and it's just it's a little bit too out of character for him now i like the idea of him, of him having to struggle with that choice you know of you know, I'm I, I I'm helping all these people. I'm dealing all the stuff with powers, but I don't have powers myself. I like the that ideal that struggle, but it's taken a whole different turn for the worse. Um, yeah. But other than that, I, I liked it. I love the idea of Arthur Petrelli back. Um, I love the reveal of Parkman's dad being the one that's putting the the Linderman in, in the mine and stuff. I, th- I I was blown away by that. I was like, ooh, that he's he's oh. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I'm still having a lot of fun with the show. You know, the ratings are, are are going down. A lot of people are turning on the show again. And I just I just don't see it. You know, I've constantly always had fun with the show. I'm still having fun with it. I, I agree that there's some stuff that I'm not a big fan of, but it... I don't know what it is with heroes where people are just, like, so willing to just jump ship right away. I don't get what
1: it is, but I don't record yeah, it. After the first season, I feel like people, I just expect maybe too much of it. And it also, it's also, I think very much kind of like comic books themselves, it's very easy for people to, I don't know, kind of pre prejudge it or kind of put a stigma on it. Like, Oh, it's, it becomes very trendy to, to bash against it sometimes yeah. because that's what critics tend to do. And then a lot of people jump on that ship, much like comic book readers. Some of them, um, there, there's just a, there's an overwhelming urge to kind of give it a, a, a very big judgment one way or the other. Um, I do feel the season has, has spread out into a lot of different threads. And I think those threads need to be coming together soon. And I think they are, right. But I I, the I show needs to kind of be, be, become a little bit more concise. It needs to become more organized. And I think it will. I think that's definitely where it's headed. But um, I'm still intrigued by it. I think this season is still an improvement over the last season. And, and I liked last season, too. But um, I, I've been very intrigued by every little twist and turn that this season is taking, And it has offered a lot of surprises. And it has offered a lot of this, oh, moments, much like season one did. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I'm still, still enjoying it. So we'll be back next week, of course, to discuss, uh, uh, the next episode, but, um, it's, it's still a good ride. still a very good ride.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that.
1: So, all right, well, uh, that does it for us this week. If you have any, uh, questions or comments for us, you can email us at contact at fanboystrikeback.com. com. um, you can also go to our forums and talk to us there. Uh, we have our website still at www.fanboysstrikeback.blogspot.com. And there we still are posting some articles uh, to read and, and things like that. We've done away with the weekly reviews. But we do have a, a link to our forums on there, and that's where we post a lot of our uh, topics for the week, uh, TV shows, video games, all kinds of crazy stuff that we like to talk about on there. So we'd love to see you on there. Um, hop on and, and check us out. Comic forums, Fanboy Strike Back. We have been having a, a little bit of problems on iTunes this week, but uh, we should be back uh, with a, with a good, good connection again with them, and uh, we'll be back on iTunes. You can find us there.
0: Yep, uh, iTunes Podcast Alley. Yeah, we are having a little bit of a problem with iTunes. They're kind of mixing us up with another podcast, it looks like, which isn't around anymore for some reason. So um, the best way to get the show right now is probably right through the site, uh, fanboystrikeback.blogspot.com. You can just download it directly there. But hopefully by the time this episode gets out there, that will be all fixed and uh, working again. Um, And like Eric said, come over to the forum. Um, There's a a lot of good discussion going on there. Um, Eric, one of Eric's friends, actually wrote a nice little piece about Watchmen, about what she thought about it, which was very interesting to read, so i definitely suggest that. Um, You can also call us. Uh, We have voicemail. So give us a call at uh, 206-350-2354. If you have any questions, comments about the show, just uh, give us a ring, and we will answer the question or play the comment on the show. Um, and then we're also sponsored by InStockTrades.com. You can go to InStockTrades, uh, buy, buy all the comps that you want. Uh, they have really great discounts. Like I said, uh, I just ordered the last geez, four volumes of... Walking Dead, and I just got through with Volume 6, and that, um, it just took a turn for the worse, and that's that's saying a lot. <laughs> and you should be happy to know, Eric, that I also just finished the second Train of Powers.
1: And hey, good for you! And good. I
0: loved it! And I loved it! It's good, the roleplay arc? Oh, that yeah. That was really good. That was a very, very original idea. Very original.
1: Yeah. It, it just gets better from there. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it.
0: So, All right. that does it for this week. Uh, we will see you guys next week. Later.